0: Thursday, and if this is Thursday, that means it's time for Pillars of Franchising with Ray Pillar and Fred McMurray. Today we got two great guests: Greg Chambers, the author of the Human Being Guide: Human Beings Guide to Business Growth, and our first guest, Tom Park, CEO of Franchi- Premier Franchise Solutions. And we'll be talking about selecting the right opportunity. Selecting the right opportunity, the first pillar, right, Ray?
1: That's correct. And I will not ask you about weather this time, Fred. So uh, we'll just forego that because, I mean, it's kind of boring because it's always the same with you anyway. So (laughs) welcome, Tom. (laughs) Thanks for uh, being on the show. We really appreciate it. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. And I was wondering if you could tell us a a little bit about, uh, as the president of Premier Franchise Solutions, exactly what is it you do?
2: We are a uh, boutique franchise development agency. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of firms out there, a lot of agencies out there that focus so much on the development side, writing the FDDs, doing ops manuals, you know, taking a brand from, um, you know, I've got this great business and I want to franchise it. Mm-hmm. We're actually kind of on the other end of it. Um, we work with brands once they've gone through that initial development stage Um, on how do you award franchises? How do you market your franchise? So we work with a lot of startup and emerging brands on bringing their brand to market, finding the right franchisees, and awarding franchises. We act as their sales, marketing, and advertising department. And then we also work with uh, individuals who, I want to own my own business, but I don't know what. You know, the budding entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. helping uh, perform matchmaking services to make sure that, Whoever they're getting into to business with, uh, that it's the right fit on both sides of the table. That's
1: fantastic. Um, I noticed that you have worked with one of the uh, franchises that many people are are aware of, and that's Two Men in a Truck. Uh, uh, how did it go with them? I mean, what 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 was your uh, uh, duties at, at Two Men in a Truck?
2: You know, two men in a truck is really where I cut my teeth in the franchising industry. I had been in, um, uh, I had been working in licensing for quite some time before that uh, in the wireless industry, helping uh, mom and pop dealers acquire uh, contracts with different uh, different carriers, et cetera. Um, but uh, I was actually going through a pretty major life change and uh, was was in the process of moving out your way, as a matter of fact, Bob. And a friend had emailed me a uh, job posting at Two Men in a Truck. It sounded interesting, and I thought, you know, why not? I'll throw my hat in the ring and see what happens. And it became one of the most arduous interview processes I've ever been through. They they interview very very similar to the way that they award grants, and it became a challenge. It became something where it was, you know, I don't know if I'm qualified for this, but... Damn it, now I won. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, really, really sunk my teeth into it. And I was really very fortunate to uh, to become part of the team. And uh, my, my responsibilities were, uh, you know, exploring new markets, uh, figuring out how, you know, an established brand like Two Men in a Truck could break into new markets, establishing relationships with uh, brokers and different consultants around the country, Figuring out how we can attract the right uh, candidates, the right prospects. Um, uh, very involved with Discovery Day, making sure that we were awarding mm-hmm. franchises to the right people. Obviously, bringing brand awareness by attending different trade shows, both regional and national around the country, and talking about the uh, the franchise opportunities with two men in a It was a great time in my life, and you know, I'd say probably two weeks into the job, I absolutely fell in love with the franchise industry. And I have to thank yep, them I,
1: for I, that. I can definitely see that because I don't think there's too many people who have not heard of that uh, company. I've always been impressed uh, uh, with the fact that I see their trucks quite a, quite a bit. And I think that's important from a marketing standpoint.
2: They're, they're yeah. a great brand. One of the things that I love about their trucks is actually that logo that is on the side mm-hmm. of the trucks. is the original logo that Mary Ellen had, had drawn on a, on a napkin. Um, decades ago, and they've just never deviated from it. They said, nope, this is who we are, and this is what we stick with.
3: So
0: is Two Men a Truck a a sequel to Three Men and a Baby? Oh, never mind. Sorry. (laughs) So on a serious question there, I had to get that first chuckle in there. Um, You mentioned awarding franchises. Uh, Explain Explain what you mean by awarding franchises.
2: Well, I, I think that it's, you know, let, let's boil it down to the most simple perspective, right? As a consumer, when we decide to do with, with whatever sandwich shop or whatever uh, burger joint we go to or whatever it is, we award them our business. There's something about the way that they conduct themselves or their product offering this says, I want to give you my money, right? So you award business every day in your in your day-to-day life, whether it's your grocery store, burger joint, whatever it is. The same should be when when a prospect or a candidate is is looking at a brand and says, I've always I've always wanted to own a sandwich or a moving company, whatever it may be. The franchisor should be evaluating that person the same way that they are evaluating the brand and say, is this someone that is going to carry our flag in the proper way? Is this someone who's on the same wavelength as us? Is this someone we should be in business with for the next 10 years or more? And Mm -hmm. I, I am a firm believer in franchises should be awarded. It's based on a mutual understanding of mutual success together. And marching to the beat of the drum, and oftentimes people are a little too entrepreneurial to be franchisees. I can I can certainly see that. What would you feel the
1: franchise can do to guarantee the success of the uh, of the uh, franchise that uh, they are awarding?
2: So. I think that boils down to that vetting process. Um, I think that on both sides of the table, if I'm, if I'm evaluating a brand and I'm looking at this brand and in terms of, is this something that I want to involve my, uh, my family in my friends in? I'm going to carry their flag for 10 years. Do they conduct business in a way that makes me feel a sense of pride every day when I, go and, and, and represent this brand, you know, whether it's my own business or not, do I feel a sense of pride? I think franchisors need to do the same thing. You know, they they need to Mm -hmm. develop a relationship with their franchisees and determine, is it someone that I feel a sense of pride that they are a part of my system and I know that I can reach out and I can say, Hey, congratulations on the new grandbaby or You know, I heard your kid just graduated from college. Congratulations. You want those relationships to be in place and for it to be a mutually beneficial relationship. As a person who is looking for a franchise,
1: could you, what would they look out for? In other words, I know there are some franchisors out there that are very. Uh, I don't, I'm going to use the word greedy, but I'm not sure that's the word I want to use. Uh, and, and they just grab everything that you know that, that comes to them, um, and they run into a lot of problems doing that. So, what should a franchisee, potential franchisee, look for in a franchisor uh, that could be a clue that the franchisor is, is being a little too greedy and wanting to take everything and anything that comes to their door?
2: So, so much of that is part of the due diligence process, right? If, if a franchisee is fortunate enough to be looking or examining a, a brand, doing their due diligence process with a brand that is an established brand, they have existing franchisees that they can reach out to and they can ask about the good, bad, and ugly, great. You know, that that takes a lot mm-hmm. of off. But in the startup and the emerging brand segment, um, and I'm only going to speak for myself here. I'm not passing judgment on anybody who does this, but I think a lot of it starts with the diligence process. How is the discovery day handled? Um, I'm a firm believer in one-on-one discovery days. I I personally don't care for group discovery days because I feel like, one, it creates too much of a sense of competition uh, with other franchisees or potential franchisees, and I also feel that, too, um, oftentimes there will be at least one person in that group who may not have as strong a business acumen as somebody else in the group, and they're going to be more bashful to ask questions and, and really get to the meat that is important to them. I tell franchisees when, when they are evaluating a brand, they really should be thinking about who are, your, who are you building relationships with. If it's only a franchise development consultant or a you know a franchise development director like myself you know for so many brands they, something hasn't been uncloaked yet you need to have those relationships with the different departments that are going to support you along the way as a franchisee and if you know that you can reach out to you know somebody in operations somebody in marketing somebody in legal somebody in whatever department it may be, that is really where I think that, you know, a franchisee can feel comfortable saying, you know, maybe I haven't met the CEO yet. Perhaps you have, but maybe I haven't yet, but I at least have this other support net available to me.
0: So that actually brings up, uh, takes us into the, the second pillar of success in a franchise is, the mentoring, training, and support you get from your franchisor. Um, give us a horror story that you've seen or heard about on support from a, and you don't need to mention the name of the franchise. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> we'll have them on in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but if you would, just a...
2: – You know, it, it's – you know, on the spot, it's hard to think of one specific example. But one thing I don't like. And, again, this is just me personally. But one thing I don't like is when a franchisee is exploring a brand and, you know, they, they've signed their, their franchise agreement, they've paid their franchise fee, they're, they're you know, putting their blood into the grain building of this business. Things get rocking and rolling. They're proud to carry that flag. But now they're ready for store two. But they're competing with, quote, unquote, corporate, who wants to open a corporate store in that particular market? That is that is mm. one of the horror stories that I see often, where are you in a franchisee-franchisor relationship, or are you in a uh, land-grab situation where it's a competition over, over the next best market?
0: Ooh, that's good. I actually ran into a yeah. franchisor last year where, if you if you read the FDD and you talked to the people at corporate and you saw what they were doing, you could tell that the franchisees were going to get the short end of the sticks uh, soon. Yeah. Um, it was just it was kind of in the card. So that's an awesome um, that's awesome insight. Hey Ray,
1: it is uh, one of the things that I did run across early in the uh, franchise was that uh, that I'm with is they didn't want to sell. An existing franchise, any more territory or any uh, you know, additional territory. they wanted to sell it to a another person. So they were looking at it strictly from the standpoint of a a number I'm selling you know I have x amount of franchises instead of looking at it from the standpoint of here's a successful franchise and he's shown or she has shown or his or her expertise and I don't want them to grow anymore and I'm not going to sell them any more territory or any more franchises so that kind of th- that has changed over the years uh and uh, I'm I'm you know definitely grateful for that but uh how many other uh I think we Kind of broached that a little bit already uh, uh, franchise are out there who have that kind of mindset
2: uh, are you asking how many franchiseors are out there that are are in for the land grab versus the grow with grow within my system uh,
1: Yes, in other words, they're not looking at the individual franchisee they're looking at how many. Uh people can I get to own a franchise as opposed to uh letting people who already have shown business acumen uh sure. grow their business?
2: I would say that those franchisors anymore are few and far between. I think there's an old school rule of thumb that you know a lot of brands kind of lived and died by where they said don't let one group or one franchisee um have a certain percentage of your business. You know, if you've got hundred mm-hmm. if you if you have hundred units across the country and Joe owns fifty one of them, you have an issue there. Now I can see where some of those brands are coming from where they want to protect themselves and make sure that although that person may be extremely qualified and may be the best person to own that franchise they want to protect the brand a little bit more and maybe diversify with franchisees a little bit more. But I think a lot of that stems from, that concern stems from selling versus awarding. And that's where we really, as an industry, we have to take it back to the root and say, you know, if they believe this strongly in the system and in the brand, who cares if they own a certain percentage? As long as things are within the franchise agreement and things are done the right way to the brand standards.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, going back to a little bit about uh, how how can a franchisor guarantee the success of of a uh, franchisee? Uh, One of the things I always look at is the uh, the ethos of the franchisor. In other words, where is their heart? Is it on the bottom line or is it with the actual success of the franchisees?
2: And uh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, I think there's a lot to that. I think franchisors really owe it to themselves and they owe it to their franchisees to really explore why they got into franchising in the first place. And I think a lot of times franchisors – let's face it, a franchisee pays a franchise fee not because of all the great things that the brand is doing and all the success that they've had. A franchise fee is paid so that you can teach me how to not make money. Like, teach me all of the mistakes that you made along the way that you (laughs) realized were not the way to promote this business, right? Mm -hmm. That that is something that franchisors have to remember. Like, they, they made a lot of mistakes along the way. They they figured out how not to grow their business. And they need to go back to that. They need to say, okay, I do know what doesn't work, but I also have to be receptive to my franchisees and in terms of if they have an idea, I need to be receptive to it. We'll evaluate it and we'll see if it's the right fit. But I need to be able to listen and admit when I'm wrong and admit to this might be the next great thing. Let's, this might be our fish filet. You know, the fish filet was created mm-hmm. by a franchisee for McDonald's. You know, I think before that, Ray Kroc was doing a, a hamburger bun with a grilled pineapple with a slice of cheese on top. It didn't sell real well. Yeah. You know, franchisee <laughs> came <here. laughs> franchisee came up with the filet of fish for the Lent season. And I think that mm-hmm. ability to say, you know what, let's listen to our system. I think that is how they can really set their franchisees up for success.
0: Okay, so I, if, I, I, uh, and you ahead. may not know this, but you you brought this, you you opened the door. Okay, so if a franchisee the made the fish fillet, you opened the can of fish, yeah, a can of sardines. So
3: <laughs> did
0: corporate, or did a franchisee come up with the McRib sandwich? Because I loved that thing and loved it for years.
2: You know, I don't know. Um, It's interesting. I read an article that was originally in uh, Reader's Digest. Um, Just just the other day, you actually brought up the McRib. Um, What I do know about the McRib is that it was introduced and then it went away forever and a day, but because of the cult following of it, the demand brought it back for seasonal sales. But I don't know who originally came up with it.
0: Yeah, I was one of those people that kept screaming, "Bring it back!" because I really liked it. <laughs> okay,
2: now I'm getting hungry, so
0: ah, it's tasty. Ray, if we don't want to go down the food path, you better take ask a question. Okay,
1: uh, I I think uh, since I'm sitting here in an RV park uh, with my coach and attended a a um, home what they called a homecoming rally, uh, I always look at things from a business perspective. What is this company doing, and the brand happens to be Integra, uh, that produces the loyalty that, that, that they do, and they, they have fed us, entertained us, given us tips about how to maintain our coaches, uh, and the loyalty to this brand is, I don't know how to describe it. Everyone here is very loyal to the brand. And one of the things that they also did uh, today at the end of the show, at the end of uh, of breakfast today, is they had an hour-long exchange of ideas about how to improve things. And I think taking this business-type model and, and, and brand loyalty to each individual a brand that uh, that we support like I support Molly made. Um, I, I think that's one of the things I look for is, is how, how are they uh, taking that brand, which, which is what you buy a franchise for and promoting it and asking the people who are out there, the franchisees, you know, what can we do to improve it? What can we do? And, in other words, asking the people in the field, what's the best way to promote this
2: brand? And what are you running uh, into? Absolutely. I'm sorry. I said, what, what are you running into? What are you seeing? What are your hurdles? Yeah, absolutely. I agree.
1: Yes, exactly. And, uh, one of the ways, of course, uh, my brand does that is, is, uh,
2: uh,
1: through their annual convention. And, uh, I, I, I have to tell you that I get more ideas and, uh, I talk to. I make sure that every time I sit down to, to a meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at a at a convention, I try to sit down with people I haven't talked to or I haven't talked to in a long time, and ask them how things are going. What are they doing to improve business? I get more ideas that way than uh, any, any other way. And of course, this all comes back to the, the franchisor, and they're taking they're getting ideas as well, and they're giving us ideas that. Uh, this exchange is extremely important. And I I think any uh, brand that does not have this uh, momentum, uh, they're losing out quite a bit. And that that would be something I would try to uh, steer away from uh,
2: uh, as a franchise. I I couldn't agree more. I think the annual meetings – and the networking with peers is so paramount to not only the success of the individual franchisee, but the success of the, the system and the brand as a whole. I, I love when a brand can really bring their people together and make them understand, um, you know, whether this starts in the first pillar or the second pillar or its combination thereof, but through the awarding process and through that support system that a franchisor is supposed to give to a franchisee, when they can make you know, get that understanding through that, you know, the high tide rises all boats, you know, we may as corporate, we may not have all of the answers. And, you know, I use my wife and I as, as an example all the time. And I always say, I'm really good with marketing. I'm, I'm great with sales. I've been in sales my entire career. But I am horrible. I am absolutely abysmal when it comes to numbers and math. And having her as that you know, that support system to reach out and say, Hey, you do the you do the accounting. That is the same in franchising where a group of franchisees can get together and can say, Hey, you know what? You know, Ray, I'm great at, at marketing, anything you need, I'd be more than happy to have I noticed that you're great in this other area where I'm really struggling. How can we help each other? Because even though we may be neighboring franchisees, if we can lift the brand, we all win.
1: That's that's correct. Absolutely. One of the classic examples of that is the uh, uh, the Chicago uh, Money Made Franchise Group. Um, Not only do we meet on a regular basis once a quarter, uh, it's a it's a advertising cooperative actually uh but we also meet socially and even you know we we meet on a regular basis uh at at, at Ravinia as an example and uh at those events we we discuss a little bit of business and even that is helpful finding out how how your neighbors are doing and what what cuz we all if, if have an effect on each other so if my neighbor is failing a little bit, the fact that I, I'm spending more, I'm more successful and get a little bit more amortizing that spills over to them. And so uh, you know, of course the opposite, the opposite is true too. You know, if, uh, if they're having a, a problem and uh, somebody's somebody's bad mouthing them on, on uh, Facebook or something like that, then, <laughs> then that spills over to me too. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, it doesn't happen uh very often and you know when it when it does we, we you know we try to get together and see what we can do to, to help that individual. So, so Tom you never
0: you never want to go after hours with them because they will party until you drop. They're just it's <laughs> <they're> just, <laughs> just party fiends. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we have uh really a fantastic group, uh, I have to say. I'm, I'm so blessed with that. And uh, the same thing with my employees. I, I just love them all. I, I'm very blessed with that as well. So, um, so well, do you I, think that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Fred.
0: Go ahead, Ray. No, go ahead.
1: Is there one thing that you think um, a person should look out for when evaluating a franchise? Is there one thing that kind of sticks out in your head that that sends up a red flag?
2: Transparency. Um, You know, we we all preach it. You know, lead with transparency. Lead with transparency. Lead with transparency. It's another thing to preach it. It's another thing to 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 act it. You know, I think that if a if a franchisee or a franchisor, if there's if there's something that um, either they can't disclose, then (laughs) they should say, "Hey, I'm not in a position to talk about that because of things." if there's something that they won't disclose just say look you know now is not the right time to discuss that matter but when i when i see people trying to pull over somebody's eyes and i see people being evasive um that bothers me and i i see it on both sides uh, both franchisee and franchisor and i think that there, there has to be a level of trust between franchising and franchisor to so say here is my dirty laundry, and I'm joining your family, or you have joined my family, and there's, there's all, nothing but transparency between us. Because this is what I always joke with people, and I always say, My first marriage didn't even last 10 years. <laughs> you know, when you're the thing, um, you see on know, the you agreement, you're in it for the long run. It's like a marriage, you need to be able to share your dirty laundry with each other and just put it all on the table. Or at least
0: explain why you why you choose automotive at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. So here's a slightly different question. We've been talking a lot about um, people going into franchises and uh, what they need to look at. And you may, since you help them go in, you've also helped them, I think, grow to a certain point. What do you find is the biggest surprise a franchisee has at the, at the end of their first year?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I think that the, the biggest surprise that a lot of franchisees face is, okay, you've had this first year, um, you know, good, bad, ugly, and different, but there's an expectation. Um, not only through the franchise system, but just as a, uh, as a business owner in general. You have to reinvest in your business. It's, it's, you know, that first year roller coaster, hey, you know, it was fun. You get in line again, you go again. And maybe your second experience is better. That second year may be better, but regardless of, of whether it's going to be better or worse, you have to reinvest in that business. You have to reinvest not only from a financial standpoint, but from an energy-level perspective. And you have to treat every day as though it's day one. And I think a lot of people say kind of
1: Kind of going along a little bit with that, what would you say is the most prevalent cause of failure for a franchise? The-
2: for franchisees, I would say it's a lack of liquidity. Um, you know, if they don't have enough operating capital um, right out of the mm-hmm. gate, um, and they're they're keeping this afloat on, you know, credit cards or you know, borrowing from family or friends or whatever, it, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. And and this goes back to the franchisor, I mean, when they're when they're looking to award a franchise to a franchisee. They need to look at that balance sheet. They need to look at that application and and really make a determination, is this the right fit for this person? Are we the right fit for them? Not just are are they the right fit for me, but are we the right fit for them? Are they going to be able to meet their personal obligations? And too often I see people ready to just sell a franchise rather than to make sure that this person is set up Set up for success that they can pay their employees, pay their rent, or whatever the the obligations, the fixed costs may be, but also meet the obligations that they have on a personal level as well.
1: I think that's what a lot of people forget about. You know, they they, they look at, well, I've got enough money to keep this business afloat, but what about their own, you know, rent and their the the mortgage and and the kids they have in college, and
3: <laughs>
1: they kind of forget about that a little bit and. Uh, that's that that's one of the things I tell people quite often when they ask me for any advice is basically whatever the franchise or says you need double or triple it because uh <laughs> you, okay. you you'll never know what the economy is gonna do you know in, in the case Let's of two
0: thousand eight two thousand nine you know a lot of
1: people i'm I'm sorry.
0: I said, Tom, did Ray give you that answer ahead of time? Because man, it sounds like something he's said a dozen different times in the last <laughs> dozen shows. <laughs> no, no, we
3: haven't. We have discussed that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. We keep on saying, saying it because
1: it's it's so true. It, and, and and I'm sorry if, if 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 our audience has heard this. He's saying that again. <laughs> you know? But uh, it it is true. A lot of people are, and I did ask the question in, in hopes that you would answer it that way. <laughs> but uh, it, it, I, I've seen so many people, so many people fail simply because, oh my God, they they spent I don't know five hundred thousand dollars on their entire life savings, and all of a sudden the the company is failing, you know, and that's a that's a one heck
2: of a loss for anybody. So, yeah, and how do you recover from that? You know, and it yeah. and that's that franchisors have have a responsibility to not only not only the franchisee, but to their their existing franchisees, but not only the potential franchisee, but the existing franchisees. They need to be they need to be willing and able to look at that, because every time a franchise closes it's going to hurt the neighboring territory or it's going to hurt the ability to resell yeah. that territory. It's going to hurt those that are trying to carry that flag. Mm. Yes, absolutely.
0: So we're running out of time, but I did want to, since you deal with helping people find franchises and something you had said earlier, what, what are the hot franchises you're seeing now? The trending, you know, ones that people want to buy
2: you know I'm seeing a a large uptick right now in uh, senior care Um, we've been seeing that for the last couple years but right now it's really getting hot Um, you know in in food um, I think that people are really starting to be um, you know we've seen it again for years but in terms of investment I think that people are getting a lot more um, cognizant of healthy eating and the, the benefits of offering healthy food-type franchises. Um, that is something that I'm seeing from, uh, you know, chopped salad uh, concepts around the country. I'm seeing, um, you know, a lot with uh, with Greek food. Um, th- those are kind of the hot segments in food that I'm seeing. Um you know, senior care, of course, will continue to grow probably over the next five, you know, probably five to six years um, before they plateau. And then I'm, I'm also seeing uh, a resurgence in boutiques. I'm, I'm seeing, you know, everybody, myself included, I shop on Amazon, I shop online. Um, but there's something to be said about that neighborhood spot,
4: um, you know, that, that,
2: that local shop and I'm seeing a resurgence in that local feel with brands, whether that be food or service, which is extremely (laughs) exciting. Definitely. Yeah, that is exciting.
0: So what's your last question, Ray?
3: (laughs) I had
1: it. I can't remember what it was now.
3: (laughs) I think my last um,
1: question was, the very one you asked. That's why I can't remember it. So. Um, All right.
0: So then I'll ask Grace last question. How do people get a hold of you,
2: Tom? <laughs> Check us out online. Um, they can find us at PremierFranchiseSolutions.com. They can call me uh, anytime, day or night, 517-763-3661. They can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're, we're ready. We're, re- we're willing. We're able. What, what brands do you represent uh, specifically, or is it just anything? Um, that, that's a long list that I don't think that we have time on the show for.
3: <laughs> okay. I mean, so, that's
2: good. Really, that's good. Really, so, we, so you, can so say, you, you can just say a lot. <laughs> a lot. You can just say a lot.
3: <laughs> a lot. What I would ask
0: is if you can send us a list of them, we'll post it on the PillarsOfFranchising.com website.
3: I'd there be you happy to
1: Right.
3: I would Fred,
0: my did, what, what, Fred uh-huh.
1: did you want to okay. mention the the the, the guest that we have coming up soon, or did you want to forego that for now?
0: No, I'm gonna. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm I'm very thank you, Ray. I'm very proud of that one, and it was a, another Twitter yes. win. Um
1: I'm excited about that. Tom, I think that's gonna be fun.
0: So yes, it will be. But we're gonna until I we got the date. Sorry, the date nailed down. We'll we'll keep it under wraps. <laughs> All
1: righty.
0: All righty. All right. Sounds so.
1: good. We've got to create a little anticipation here, you
0: know. <laughs> Amen to that. Thanks, Tom. We'd we'll love to have you back oh, again. Oh, yeah.
1: Thanks, Anytime, Tom. Anytime, guys. Good
0: job. Thank you. And this is Pillars of Franchising with Ray Piller in Naperville, Aurora, and Fred McMurray on the Central Coast, of California Ray, how's it going?
3: Well,
1: it is cloudy right here in Aurora, Illinois, and um uh, I wonder what happened this spring. It just sort of went away for a little bit so
0: <laughs>
1: we'll see what happens but well, so we you have a guest well wait, wait time out
0: time out time out time <laughs> out before you go there. Um, I, I want to point something out that uh, they said at least in California, this is the coldest record or April on – we had the coldest record – April on record um, for California, and it's cold and gray um, today where I'm at on the center in Shell Beach. Does that make you feel better? Wow.
3: It does. It does. It does make <laughs> me feel now, better.
0: Let me annoy you. Um, earlier today when I was a conference call and I looked up sideways, I think I saw a whale crest.
1: Oh, Okay. <laughs> See, when when you... Well, is this being recorded right
3: now? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay, because when you say whales, I think of something else, but that's... Oh. (laughs) Okay, so
0: let's take it back to our guest, Greg Chambers.
4: Speaking of whales, right? (laughs) Uh, uh,
3: uh, 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 uh. We don't enjoy
1: ourselves on this show, do
3: we? <laughs> yes, we do, don't we? <laughs> well Welcome Greg. Thank you. For st-
4: <laughs> yeah. So uh
1: why don't you tell us a little bit about
4: yourself? Sure. Uh Greg Chambers, Omaha, Nebraska. Uh right now I'm a sales and marketing consultant, so businesses hire me to help them. Grow their businesses, and I do it in a very specific way. I help them uh, design sales and marketing practices that are a perfect fit for them, for their organization, for their disposition, for their people. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I wrote a book mm-hmm. called "The Human All right. Guide to Business Growth." Yeah, yeah. I, I, I,
0: so, tell us about the writing, the human human beings' guide to business growth. I think as we uh, we watched the forward thinkers in the industry more, embrace more and more marketing automation and AI in it and uh, Google's um, human-sounding AI phone assistant that they were debuting this week. Yeah. Um,
3: right.
0: Yeah. So tell us about the Human Being's Guide to Business Growth.
4: Well, it is a direct reaction to this this phenomena that we're going through, which is it feels like the engineers have told us that they can figure out anything, and including sales and marketing. And so I get approached all the time with how do I implement these particular technologies or these tools. And when I get into the businesses and we start talking, the first thing I realize is, wow, you know, the tools are fantastic and they can help. All this marketing automation would be great if we knew what we were doing like if we had a bunch of other things in place first. And that's really what this book is about, is that uh, when I'm being asked about a way to grow my business, what's a simple way to to get bigger, I I start with the simple concept of, uh, well, if you could just get everybody in your company to do their part for business development, you will find more opportunities. More opportunities usually leads to uh, increased revenue. Um, and that was really born of the idea that you could probably lose business from anywhere, too, right? If any, yeah, if yeah. Rogue, employee can, if any rogue employee can take you down, that means that any rogue employee can uh, find some, uh, a, a wonderful opportunity for you at the same time. So the rest of the 180 pages of the book is really trying to explain, well, Greg, so how exactly do I do that? And I lay that out um, in that fashion. pounded, hmm. um, yeah.
0: Well, no, I was going to let Ray, Ray open up the next question, but I'll jump in there. So, in other words, people like um, on United Airlines, when uh, they end up having passengers dragged off, bloody and unconscious, um, they'd realize that <laughs> they were part, all part of customer service and maybe it wouldn't have happened.
4: Yeah, that is it, right? It's, it's that, that's the hard lesson. Um, is that it can, one bad thing can spoil a, a lot of opportunities? Um, but at the same time, two people sitting next to each other on an airplane, right? It's what are what are your employees saying when they are uh, when somebody asks them what it is that they do? You know, do they give the, the two-minute version or or can they uh, talk uh, describe the business in an interesting way where speaks uh, mm-hmm. to an opportunity and so in other words. Example,
0: are they going to bore people, or are they going to put the hook in their brain so they that they're remembered later?
4: Yeah. Are they going to say, "Oh, you know, I do books. I do the bookkeeping," <laughs> or do they say, mm. our, "Our our business helps uh, small businesses grow faster," and then people say, "Oh, that sounds interesting. I'm a small business. How exactly would that work?" Um, right. To to the exact same convers. You know, it's a it's a Similar conversation. We're just being nice to each other, but one elicits maybe one's a little bit more on message with what it is that we're trying to do. As a, well,
1: as a one of the things that comes to mind when we start when you start talking about uh, people talking is that any exposure, good or bad, can be good. So a negative review on Google or or whatever. As long as it's uh, handled properly, can be can be good exposure.
4: Totally agree. (laughs) Yeah, especially because that's right. Do you read the negative reviews when you're uh, shopping mm -hmm. through a new product? Mm -hmm. Um, In general, right? I do, and I'm looking to see what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I'm not necessarily looking to get a lot of information out of that review, but I am curious about what did this business do about it, and is it you know, if it was a reasonable request, did they do something to try to accommodate? And uh, that would indicate maybe somebody I could trust.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how many how many people do you think uh, approach it that way?
4: I don't know for sure, but a study just came out. I'd have to dig it up in my email. I just got copied on a new survey that this is what they're saying uh, from Trust Radius, and they say basically the exact same thing. They're applying it to business-to-business sales but they're saying negative reviews are used as a check against positive reviews. So if all you have is 85 five-star reviews, people tend to not believe that. But if you have Mm -hmm. a mix of reviews, so you come in at just over four stars, and the one stars it looks like are, uh, are handled at least in a way that you would want to do business together, then they're saying that that leads to what they're selling, which is, um, the idea of trust, like uh, trying to use reviews to help build trust and uh, as third-party as uh, social evidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I know uh, in searching for a vendor uh, a product on Amazon, as an example, I'll, I'll, I'll look at some of the reviews for a particular product. And and I remember coming across a couple of reviews on a product I was looking at that said, oh, basically it, it arrived damaged or it uh uh took too long to get there so is this about the product not really it's it's a, it's about how the product was handled and yeah. to me that that has nothing to do with the product you know in this case it was a bark collar i think and uh <laughs> you know, it had nothing to do with how well it worked and, you know, I was looking for uh, reviews that said, oh, yeah, well, it, it, I, I just used it for a couple of days and it, it cured the, the problem with my dog. But uh, this was, you know, totally unrelated to the product itself. And, and uh, you know, that's one example, but I think what I'm talking about is some really bad reviews on, let's say, a service that uh, has uh, – uh, and and it, the uh, the owner or uh, the manager answered the review and say it was a one star and uh, basically that kind of exposure and I and, and I think a lot of people are like myself and and look at the one star reviews and why would the you know. A company that's getting good reviews, mostly good reviews, get a one star. That's you know kind of puzzling. And I do read those type of reviews myself, just uh, to, to see what the real problem was, and did the owner or, or the manager answer the, uh, uh, the 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 problem and, and uh, come up with a resolution. You know, so to to me that's 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 you know pretty important.
4: Yeah, I I agree. You have found somebody in violent agreement on this you know my <laughs> <Violent agreement. laughs> well, okay. stronger over the phone.
0: <laughs> So if I if I look at this, and obviously um uh, I know of some of the many of those instances that have happened, but I also have seen um in research on franchise Franchisees, where there have been some horrifying comments that um, a year later were never addressed, and it mm-hmm. appeared more that it was because it was a franchisee. Um, it, the individual franchisee presence was; uh, it was even in non non response. It was impacted less because most people wouldn't, if they were going to go to that franchise franchise period, they would go to that franchisee location. So they'd be more likely impacted by the main franchise presence.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Am I wrong? Or should everyone be monitoring their own pages and or having somebody monitor and, and help respond? Would you, you mean uh, uh,
1: other franchises
0: uh, should monitor
1: other franchises is what you're saying?
0: No. What I'm saying is is franchisees should monitor their own pages rather than oh, just relying definitely. on the franchor, franchisor to do it.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, because, you know, the, 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 each franchise is
0: individually owned, as the ad yeah, says,
1: but um, you're, you know, you need to be responsible for what's happening. One of the things that the things that kind of irked me is a person in another part of the country, uh, will lambast a, a franchise and you happen to be that same company but in another part of the country and, but you get the bad ad because that was the, uh, you know, the, because uh, that was the first thing that popped up when they, when they went online. So th- those are the kind of things that, uh, you know, the franchise, or should be looking for, as well as the franchisee, because they they happen fairly frequently. You get a, a, a you know something like Subway that has thousands of locations, I presume, and uh, someone in San Francisco gets a bad sandwich, but someone in New York gets the rap for it. Or oh, yeah. Omaha.
4: Or Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> Everything comes back to Omaha. <laughs>
0: Well, you're, you're on, Omaha's on the journey from Chicago to the Pacific, so. (laughs) Yeah. Hi, So, Greg, in, as you, since you do sale or marketing to sales, that's your consulting, when you look at franchisees, they've already got, uh, the, most of the marketing, at least broader campaigns, Uh, National campaigns that they benefit from. Yeah. What do you see when you go in and help franchisees? What do you see as how places that they should improve their customer service, their marketing, or their uh, how they uh, take care of the customer?
4: That's a good question. Um, uh, Since they don't need to reinvent the wheel, they need to execute. Um, I spent a lot of time. on There's a section in my book where we talk about uh, the, the power of your people's self-perceived strengths. So we use a, a test in there, the VIA test of character strengths, where it gives a reading of this is what I feel. I, I feel I'm more this than that, um, and it would be like something like I, I think I'm more humorous than I prefer to use humor as opposed to logic or something like this. And um, by exposing that inside of the franchise. Uh, right, So it's, it's your people that need to execute on the plan. If you can help them bring their strengths to the predefined role that, that they need to, to work on, uh, they tend to get more enjoyment and, and our, our, uh, a further engagement in their work. Um, and so as a natural consequence of that is by applying it to these things and uh, where it comes to customer service, where they, they need to uphold the particular standard, and if they're able to say to themselves, well, you know, it's all prescribed for me, but I get to bring what I think are my strengths to execute those tasks, right? That um, that's how performance is enhanced inside of a franchise. You don't need to. <laughs> so to go through the book, the uh, the three, the simple process I use is is really around focus. Which is strategy, and so franchises don't work as much. And then between focus and then the tools and technology that people are always approaching me on is that individual strengths piece, and that's where my advice to the franchises is: focus there, um, and, and getting the most out of your people, and helping them get uh, to feel engaged in their jobs.
0: Ray, that sounds like every, how you approach management of your people.
1: As, as far as advertising?
0: No, just in the way you try to uh, take care of your people and and um, make – I, I try
1: to make everybody feel that they are part of the company. They are part exactly. of, the, of this uh, problem and part of the solution. Uh I, I, as an example, I may come up with an idea to 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 uh, solve a problem, but uh, I'll ask everybody. Well, wh- what do you think? You know, uh, is this a good way of approaching this, or should? And, and that does two things. It, it certainly, I'm not the end-all answer to everything, and I don't know everything. So the solution I came up come up with may not be perfect. It not only involves everybody. In the, uh, the, the problem, but it also, uh, brings to the surface other ideas that could be much better than I could come up with. So, uh, I think we, we have a culture here at, at our company that I consider it, I consider every one of my employees part of my family, and I think a lot of people, the employees can consider that they are part of the family here as well. And uh, I know I've mentioned this before, but uh, an employee came up to me and, and told me one day that the best part of her day was coming to work in the morning, which totally shocked me because I, I, you know you just don't think of coming to work as being the best part of your day. Um, but when you consider she's here with a, a, a lot of her friends and uh, they begin to talk and, and commiserate about different things that, that that's going on in their lives, and but when they get home. At the end of the workday, that's when their other work begins, taking care of the family. So it's, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's extremely important to, to have a good culture in, in your company, whatever company that is.
0: Which I guess is why Greg's book is The Human Be- Being's Guide to Business Growth, a simple process yep. for unleashing the power of your people for growth. On Business Expert Press. Where can they order it from, Greg?
4: Amazon.com. Oh, Excellent. look it up. I'm in there.
0: Excellent. So, Ray, what's the question you always ask people at this point in time?
1: Um.
3: <laughs> I How people get a hold of you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs>
4: So you can (laughs) get a hold of me. My website is ChambersPivot.com because that's my company, is uh, Chambers Pivot Industries. And uh, my email is greg at ChambersPivot.com. Or you can dial me up on the phone, 402 709
1: well, one of the things I noticed about Greg is uh, you have listed yourself as a, and I've never heard this term before, serial entrepreneur. What is a serial entrepreneur?
4: <laughs> that is the, uh, <laughs> that's a, a marketer's way of saying, oh, you, uh, you keep trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try different things every time because the last one didn't work out quite as well.
3: <laughs> it, it,
1: that's you know, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. So, what have you tried? I, I, I see you, you, you've you gone into the apparel, a cult apparel company, and that's another one. What?
4: In... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a way of saying a little brand that you may not have heard of.
3: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so,
4: I was the mad gringo for a while. So, there was a time in my life when I had left uh, New Horizons Computer Learning Centers as uh, a franchise, working for a franchisee uh, out of Memphis, Tennessee, and Uh, I went into a bank because I thought, oh, maybe what I need is corporate life. And after I got there, I couldn't wait to get out. And the only way that I found out was to buy a little Hawaiian shirt company. And I became the mad gringo selling mad gringo apparel, Hawaiian shirts and T-shirts. And we sold them online and through stores. And then we tried to grow big and uh, took out a bunch of investment, and it didn't go as planned. And so mm-hmm. that led to uh, me starting a consulting company because inside of that, I did learn a few things. That's really what this book is about too.
3: Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, so, so- that, they
4: just popped out. <laughs> yeah. So what is the lesson
1: here? I mean, you tried to Look, grow Mad Gringo. It,
4: what you were, so I was doing it, I had all the tools, right? I had learned everything about the, that, I thought that there was, that you needed to know about sales and marketing and growing a company. And I launched into it, and we did everything by the book, and it still didn't work. So I mm-hmm. eventually left, but I, was, uh, I, I told everybody I'm going to start consulting because I just want to work for myself. I can't do this anymore. Uh, and my first client was another <laughs> apparel company who said, oh, there was a bunch of technology stuff you were doing that I would love for you to do for us. And I got there, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the exact same company that I just left, except for you guys are growing much faster and and you you haven't even done any of the things that you're supposed to do and as i watched it carefully what i found out was what just what you were describing right these guys were taking so much time to let their people do uh to basically let their people figure things out the way that they wanted to approach it and gently guiding them um But the people were so engaged, so much more engaged. And what I had done was almost the exact opposite. As we tried to grow, I was like, quit doing that stuff. Do it this way (laughs) Mm because this is what we need in order to grow. And what they were doing was saying, oh, if you think that's a good idea, let's work. You know, how would you make that work? And he was asking a bunch of different questions. I eventually codified that into a like, oh, it's a strength. He was letting them apply their perceived natural strengths to the work that needed to be done. And what was happening was where my company flattened out, and then by taking on investment, it put too much strain on the company. His company mm-hmm. just kept chugging away 15%, 20% growth a year and was literally over time, you know, 10 times bigger than, we, than I was when I had left uh, my little Mad Gringo company. So, um, mm-hmm. so it was – I loved hearing your story. I loved – nobody ever said that to me. Greg, this is my favorite mm-hmm. part of coming to this job. And the thing was if we were the <laughs> mango. they really should have, right? I mean it was mm-hmm. it was it was Jimmy Buffett. We should have had we should have been having nothing but fun, but I had turned mm-hmm. in.
3: Other than that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 I can see that. I can see especially with the name like something like that. You know, you you, you think of uh, you know, people that are sitting back and relaxing and, and having a good time running a company. As opposed to, uh, you know, <laughs> it's my way or the highway.
4: <laughs> that's too much to pay for that, you know. We CPA, CPA, you know, we need. What's our cost proposition? Uh, you know, fit it in, fit it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: So there you go. Tough lessons for me, but uh, lessons that people can learn from.
0: Excellent. Yep. So, so, so
4: that's my goal now. Is I make sure, I work very hard to make sure that others are not repeating those, those same mistakes. Mm-hmm
1: mhm yep yep and, you know one 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 of the things that uh uh we we are kind of unorthodox around here and, and even in in our meetings because we we solicit you know people to uh say well we had this problem and uh we tr- we try to uh make sure that everybody gets involved in in uh in in i'm gonna i want to say the running of the company but Obviously, you can't do that with 48 employees. So, uh, we, we, you know, but all the managers are certainly involved in in, in running the company, and I, I, I believe that that type of ethos is is, is filtered down into to, to the rest of the employees, and to me, that's extremely important.
4: One one
1: one of the you know one of the small things that I like to do here. I I wanna greet every employee. I want to, when they come in the door, I, I, I say, Hi, how are you doing? or at the very least wave at them and as they're leaving they say goodbye, I say goodbye back. Um I'm in a building uh our our office is in a building with uh other uh, you know, other offices and a HR manager came down to me and says, Hey, are are you the owner? I said, Yeah. She says, "I'd like to talk to you." Sure. She says, "How are you treating your employees?" I says, "What do you mean?" She says, "They don't know me, but they every time they see me in the parking lot, they say hi." (laughs) I said, "Well," and then I I went and and showed her, you know, basically uh, how we are treating our employees, and uh, that type of uh, personality then is also portrayed to your clients when they go out and service our, our clients so Absolutely.
3: they're, they're friend, you know it, so
1: it, 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 it transcends down to to everyone everybody's friendly around here
0: yes they are and since we're running out of time uh let's give greg the last word and say greg what would you tell the business owner that wants to grow
4: well uh the franchise owner that wants to grow uh, the the beauty of the franchise to me is that was the only time where I had people doing the exact same thing I was trying to do. And so the the ability to share ideas across a network is uh is, is invaluable.
0: Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I knew Ray would agree with that one. So folks, um this has been a wild show. So how do we get
1: a hold of you, Greg?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, via my website. Just fill out my website, (laughs) ChambersPivot.com. That's
0: ChambersPivot.com. We'll see you again on Pillars of Franchising. Bye, all.